Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots to learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. When I got a phone call yesterday, out of the blue from the great Jimmy Pacher, my heart immediately got warm. I was so honored to know that such a legend of the past was also interested in doing a podcast and accepting uh, this sharing. When I asked uh, Jimmy what his original language is, he said it's Ladinish. I said, what the hell is Ladinish? It must be some kind of dialect. He said, yes, it's a mix between Latin and Italian. I said, that's cool, but your English is also very good. He said, yes. He sa- I said, but you are living in uh, Suti Hall. You must be speaking also German. He said, yes, that's the only language I actually learned. I didn't learn English formally. I didn't learn Portuguese, French, Spanish that I also can speak. We share something more than just the love of flying. We both speak six languages. It's fantastic. I'm sure you can speak a few more, maybe the language of love with the wife that you have of 11 years. You have a boy of seven years old. You have a girl of 11 and you are now a family man, but you are still deeply, deeply a flying man. You are still deeply ingrained in the world of flying. Jimmy Pacher, welcome onto the podcast. Super to have you here. How are you today? Thank you, Steph, to, to invite me. And I'm okay. And still, we're still in the lockdown, this uh, coronavirus, but getting better and better. I'm happy to be there. I'm so sorry for my English, but we try. We try. That's the most important thing in life, I think, is to try, to try and push ourselves, to try and come out of our shells and to to experience things. It's never without trying that anything has ever been achieved. Right, right. Jimmy? Right. That's right. I remember yes. professor, when I go in the school, they tell me you can learn every language when you what you want, but don't learn really well. And I say, why don't learn really well? Imagine. Uh, they arrive when uh, people from, I don't know, China, they come to you in South Africa and they speak perfectly a uh, language like you. And you are a little bit uh, as caring for this guy. When they come in and speak really bad, you help this guy. You help this guy. So it's good, uh, it's good uh, motivation, good idea they have. Absolutely, Jimmy. And I said to you, for me, a podcast is much more interesting when your English isn't perfect English. But when you are chatting with a small accent or battling, if you are French like Seb Coupi, Jimmy, you are a man amongst men where it comes to flying. You have extremely respected. You're one of those big names from the past. World champion two times, European champion two times, Italian champion four times. Those were, when I asked you which years, you said, oh, I can't really remember. You are... uh, Somewhere around 94 to 97, you had your big success to, to the early 2000s. You were born in 1972. I was born in 1971. So we have a lot of things in common. You are um, a gin importer into Italy. I asked you what else you do in your life. You said, oh, yes, I make rescue courses. I have helped people to throw the rescue over 400 times successfully. You work with two schools in Italy close to your home, which is in Serva near Ortice, Colradella in the Dolomites. So tell us about your life, please. Yeah, about my life. So uh, I fly less than before, 
So I fly normal glider, like uh, normal, like Ian C. No more competition glider because uh, I have, I want to be relaxed when I fly. Also, when I flew competition, also it was relaxed with the two line and blah, blah, blah. But they fl I fly a lot, many hours for every year, but now less. I enjoy now just to explain to the people how to fly and uh, enjoy a lot of um, SIV course. I make for some year there's uh, this new course like how to through the rescue and the difference between one and the other rescue and uh, and tandem also. Mm -hmm. You work with uh, Val Gardena paragliding with some guys who have also been flying since 1986, Killian and Peter, who's done the X-Helps. Then you work in the summer months with Fasa Fly. Tell us more about the schools that you work with. Yeah, we make a... It's like this, it's, uh, in Valgardena, they make... Uh, I make uh, uh, Tandem Fly. The Valgardena is where I live. And uh, we have a different uh, type of fly, but normally... In Valgarden, I fly only the winter, and so the fly is only fly down normally. In Val di Fassa, there we make also in summer tandem fly. We have a normal fly, a thermic fly. We climb until easily more than 3,000 meters because it's a high mountain, Ooh. nice condition. We fly also a lot with people with, a, I don't know, wheelchair, you say? Yeah, we That's make right. Yeah. yeah, we make some special uh, harness and blah, blah, blah. Really nice for me with this guy because uh, they don't have to pay me because they pay me only when they come and they can give me emotion for me. So this is really important. Jimmy's seven-year-old boy appears on the video and he quickly shies away and off he goes. Jimmy... Um you were telling me a little earlier about flying with a blind man and I asked you if you had any funny stories. You told me a great story about a man who knew exactly where he was in the flight, although he was blind. I want to say it's really nice to fly with anybody with a disability. I have my tandem business uh, many, many years in, and when people come in a wheelchair, they are extremely nervous. All the family are nervous. They're worried that suddenly they're going to be doing something really crazy. But you and me, we know if we've got the light wind from the front, we work with a fantastic team of men. It's not like in Europe where it's very expensive to have people. And they are there to help. So every single tandem start by us is with two guys helping with starting every yeah. tandem. Some, some tandem pilots in Cape Town can't start without the helpers. They don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> flying with blind people, flying with deaf people, flying with people who are uh, in a wheelchair, it's really something special, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I remember I fly one time with one guy, they have a uh, most, I don't know in English, but we call in Italy dystrophia muscolare. They, the most, uh, yeah. muscle doesn't work anymore. Muscu muscular dystrophy. Yeah, similar. Yeah, same. <laughs> so they can only move the hands and, and the neck. That's all. We fly, it was really nice, really emotional for me. And when we're landing, this guy start to, to go with the hand. He, he want to go in the pocket, but they, they can't go in the pocket, but want to take the wallet to pay. And they say, what, what, you, what you do it? 
yeah, 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 I have to take a wallet and I say, for what? The wallet for what? I have to pay you. No, 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 no. You don't pay. We go to the bar and you pay a beer, <laughs> a couple of beer. And we go to the bar and we drink something was really nice, really fantastic time. So you are really serious when you take people with disabilities, you really don't charge them. You only take a drink or a celebration afterwards. That's just no. their emotion yeah. as you. Yeah. Wow. I, I like to help and they have to come. I am a lucky guy and these, uh, they have a problem. Why don't give uh, some emotion? Well, I can tell you that that's an absolutely beautiful attribute that you have there, uh, Jimmy. And it's one of the things that I are identifying that's getting less and less in the world. You know, you go in Italy, you go in Greece, you go in Turkey. The, I went to Iran two years ago. The people are still really real. But for the rest of the world, it seems like that kind of thing is going away. Don't you think? Yes, yes, for sure. I think the same. Tell us about the blind man flying over the chalet. <laughs> it's like this. I meet this guy in, uh, in the winter. They tell me we have to fly over the ski slope, ski piece, and there is one chalet. Fly over the chalet because it's my friend is there and they watch me and after go down to the valley. Okay. And when we approach to the chalet, we are something like uh, 50 meters to the, close to the chalet. They tell me we are now in the chalet. And I say, wow, how you can feel? We are in, close to the chalet. They feel. They tell me they feel the the distance because uh, they feel we are really close. They feel the distance. Okay, say wow. I have no idea. And okay, you are right. So we go down, blah blah blah. And after in the evening, I meet the, this guy in the pub, and they tell me it's just a joke with me because they feel. When we are close to the chalet, they feel the smell of the food. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a nice story. And uh, just they have a disability, but they play with me. And what this is really good. Ah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, one of the most memorable tandem flights I've ever had is with flying with a blind man. I mean, the emotion, I was crying afterwards. I had to hold back my tears because it was so special. And many people would think, oh, hello. Why is a blind man making a tandem flight? But excuse me, a blind man is still having feelings and he's still enjoying the sensation of flight. You and I, when we take off and we fly, we are going up, we are going down, we are feeling that. So is a blind person. So they are no different. They are not freaks. They are just having some kind of disability. Very interesting. No? The blind man, where I, in our launch, they have to run a little bit, but it's a little bit steep. The blind man got perfectly what you tell him to do it. And uh, normal people, they may, they, it's not like this. And I prefer yeah. to launch with the blind, with the, the normal people, because they make perfectly everything. Maybe the people from India are the worst, you know. I am paying, I am not running, I am paying. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> You have another funny story about a guy making an SIV course with you, and he didn't really want to fly. Tell me. <laughs> it's like this. Last year, I make an SIV. This guy has to through the rescue. So they go in the evening, go up. First, we have a backwind, but just a little bit. The other launch, this guy doesn't launch. This guy, they have a wetsuit for dressing, for flying. 
why they have a wetsuit because they threw the rescue. And so finally, they don't want to launch because it's backwind and we have a fog in the mountain. So we will go up with the car to bring this guy, but we don't find the mountain. We search, we search, and this guy, they lost his radio also. <laughs> and, and so they're sleeping up, up in the mountain. And the next day they come down and they go around the village with a wetsuit. <laughs> they go to the bar, they want to drink coffee. And with the wetsuit, the people look, this guy he looks like crazy guy go around. <laughs> was nice. <laughs> I can just imagine in the Italian cafe, because a lot of people in Italy, hey, Jimmy, what you are wearing, your jacket and everything. Yeah, yeah, imagine yeah. a freak at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Earlier you were telling me, I was asking you what the best and the worst gliders are that you fly. Currently you're flying a glider called the Camino from Gin. As I said, you are the Gin importer into Italy. You're using that for hike and fly. It's a sea glider. You've calmed down. You're a family man now. You're looking after your kids and obviously not quite racing as crazy as you had, as, as you were. But before you had some Nova glider, tell us about this thing. Yeah. The, the Nova, they make uh, many different prototypes. They really, they make really good glider, good performance. This glider is uh, some special prototype. They have this uh, cross-pressing, uh, di di diagonal ribs, how are you call? I have no idea. But uh, it's the first glider with these diagonal ribs in the, in the market. And they is really heavy, something like 10, 11 kilo. I don't remember how many kilo. And I fly, I flew this glider and they make nice big front collapse <laughs> and, and so they scare me because they make a really strong uh, front collapse and after i flew in my place in the dolomites and there is a little bit uh, it's a rock and roll condition and uh, the glider just shaking and hard to control and i have a scare with this glider but incredible performance but comparison compared to other glider. So I go to Rome to make one competition and there is smooth condition, easy condition. And I won this, with, uh, this competition with this glider easily. I won and I say, okay, after two talk, I say, now I know how to manage this glider. So I go home again in the Dolomites. I flew Two times more, this glider, I say, okay, I don't want to fly anymore. This glider, I'm too much scared. So I stop to fly and uh, I give you back this glider. And in all the years that you have been flying, Jimmy, what would you say is, is, is the best glider at the time? Um, the glider that you've really just made love with, the glider that you feel you've walked away going, this, this was the one. Uh, uh, it's difficult. Or, or name a few names. It's difficult to say because uh, when uh, I was flying competition, you change two, three gliders for a year, depends of uh, because it was a prototype, and so different uh, to say uh, to say okay, I like this one more than the the other. I can remember old glider like uh, Edel Company, Edel brand uh, yeah. is uh, like Sector TX. I remember this one, I like it. It's dif difficult to say I prefer this glider than the other because 
I flew until I flew competition until Boomerang nine. Uh, it was nice, but I cannot say this is. I, I prefer this glider than the other. I changed so many glider, and I cannot say. Yeah, when I met you, um, it, you won't remember me, but uh, I was a young pilot. It was in the early 2000s, and you had a gin nomad, I think. Um, it was at, um, where was that? Um, Cornizolo Cup. Uh, right, 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 right. So I fly, they just coming out is a glider nomad, and this is a EN, something like two to three ENC, something like this. And I flew this one in the competition, in national competition, because the other day I have a competition glider. I flew this one, so just to promote the glider and uh, nice, easy glider. I do remember it now uh, that you say it. I remember you were starting with it the first time that anybody had seen that glider in the air. And we were all like, wow, that's Jimmy. He's on the Gin Nomad. And we we're all staring at this yellow glider. I still remember the color was yellow at the time. <laughs> cannot um, remember no. much. You just remember me. I flew Nomad uh, in the competition and I didn't remember. Uh, which other which... brands were you flying in the past? I flew many different brands. Uh, just in the beginning, uh, 1986, 1987, 1988, something like different brand. And after in 1989, I start to fly with with Nova, and I start to be a sponsor by Nova, and I fly with Nova until 94 or 1985. I don't remember. After I change to Adele, Adele, and they, Adele, the gene, gene designer is the design of Adele, and they changed to make uh, his uh, home brand, brand, his gene glider, and I changed to, from Adele to gene glider, and never changed anymore. Do you remember Andre Bucher, who had to rob a bank because the Edel <laughs> sales weren't going well? He is still a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember under Booker. They have a really a first time they come to my flight area, something like I don't know, nineteen eighty-eight, something like this, or eighty-nine. I don't remember eighty-eight. And they say they can launch without running. I say no, impossible. <laughs> we just running like a crazy, <laughs> and uh, so. They have a big ladder, they wait wind, and they just inflate and launch. Like usually is normally from this this time. But but uh, 30 years before is no, you have to run like a crazy, like a crazy. Yeah. I was just on the rocks yesterday here in Portable in South Africa showing a friend of mine where you could actually launch if you wanted to. And today's single surface gliders and the and the hike and fly gliders, oh, they are so fantastic. Yeah. They are really making making the flying so nice. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, for sure. Now is uh, is now to fly this glider is more safe now. But I remember before, until the first two line coming out for a genius boomerang eight and the other company of Zonte is the first. They make BB, BP, I don't know, uh, something like baby, I forget. I remember this one, before this uh, two line come out, I was always thinking uh, experience, 
I can uh, manage every gliding in every condition until come out this two line. After come out this two line, I say, wow, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but just this is feeling. I never received something really, really strange, but this is the feeling. And I remember I speak with Gene and I say, maybe I'm too old. I have a little bit scared. I don't know when I can manage the glider in the strange condition. They don't tell me nothing. And after they make a European championship in Spain, they cancel because of some accident, blah, 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 with this new two line. Cancel, we can't fly anymore. This two line just only homologate glider. And after they come to me and they tell me, maybe it's not you too old. Maybe this, the glider is too shit. <laughs> <laughs> and now, yeah, yeah, yeah. now the two line is really good now but uh, the first prototype yeah. it's yeah the first model is uh too fast and too yeah it's too fast for uh for for reaction yeah 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 exactly you had to be so wide awake you had to be on speed to take this stuff because it was just horrible you know yeah. terrible <laughs> You told me in your free time, you're doing lots of lovely things. You're hiking, you're flying. Of course, you have two children of seven and 11 years old. Um, but one of your big loves is spearfishing. You go around the world and you are making spearfishing. Tell us what attracts you to that. Why do you do that? How long do you do that? And Yeah, it's like this. When I was really young, I have a scare for the fish in the sea. Every kind of fish. I have a scare. I meet one guy who was a world champion, one Italian guy, who was world champion for uh, spare fishing. So they tell me, you learn me, me a little bit how to fly, and I learn you how to, to fish. It was nice wow. because first day we, we go in the, his uh, garage, I don't know what you call it, garage, I think. And they tell me, so just choose uh, your guns. And I choose the big one, like uh, one meter yeah. and something, well, the big one. And uh, they choose small one, this guy. So we go fishing. After two, two hours, I was really, uh, that was really difficult. And for sure, no chance to, 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 to arrive close to the yeah. fish also. They tell me, so you're tired? Yes, I'm tired. Okay, now put the gun in the, in the in the in the boat, and now we start. You are ready to start to learn how to go down in the water. <laughs> so, <laughs> but before I want to do everything with the gun, you I don't need the gun, but they don't stop me. So when I'm tired, yeah, yeah. I say, you're right with uh, your brain to learn how to go. And after I learned to, to blah, 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 to go down the water and, um, and I make also some competition with the spare fishing, this has really helped me for flying competition because you have to be really concentrate to go down, to really calm your hair, have to go slowly. You can uh, watch everything what's going on under the water. And the same in the sky. So you can concentrate 
and watching what's going on and uh, incredible good is sometimes I am the gaggle and the people go left and they say why they go left the good uh, way to go is right and why the people go left but uh, and finally I go left with a group or I go right alone you can have time to use your brain how to fly and this is good training yeah really interesting so I would have never been able to say that spearfishing and paragliding have got things that you can really learn yeah. from one another. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot. Because when you are, no, I don't know, in English, like calm, you are not calm, mm. you cannot go down really steep and fish. Same when, when you fly. When you are not calm, uh, like uh, you are a little bit down, uh, a little bit low, you are stressed and you have to catch a thermic, follow the other and always stressed. When you are low, we are easy, calm. Okay, take a thermic and now you, I'm up and I go, I don't know, different way and uh, for sure you catch the other and you can also win. <laughs> and you have shown how you can win. Man, you are a good <laughs> pilot, Jimmy. Really, yeah. really good, yeah. <laughs> So calm is a very good theme. You have given one one idea of staying calm, and 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 that that will improve your results. You've thought of some tips, some top things that you can say. What do you think are the absolute? You can say it now. You're not in the competition world anymore. What do you think you attribute your real success? What made you win? Well, what made you my win? And uh, I think really important. For my my meaning is uh, how you have to plan really good uh, how to make the task how to fly this task in the competition and you have to play really good in the ground because I think when you fly it's a little bit too stressed you cannot uh, have a many idea so also when you have a, some stupid problem in the GPS you cannot resolve in the fly and when you land just press two button easy and you can do it <laughs> this is the difference and, uh, so finally maybe maybe good planning uh, you said uh, getting your shit together getting your instruments correct knowing what the task is knowing what the weather is bit of research beforehand yeah this is the research before uh, flying you have to know everything what is the difficult part in the in the flying? Where is easy part? Where you can fly faster? Where you have to be careful? And what is really important? Also, when you land, also when you win or not, just thinking which mistake you make it. Also, when you win, you make a mistake. This is a really important. Make a, a make analysis for your flyer. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. This is really, really yeah. important. Yeah. Uh, Russell Ogden says exactly the same thing. He says that after his flight, he is always making an analysis. He stops, he lands, he makes his pipi, and he thinks to himself, ah, what's, what was that flight? What did I learn in that flight? Where did I make mistakes? Where was I good? Am I happy with my flight? What can I learn from the flight? After every flight. Yeah, for sure. After every, every flight, you have to learn for your mistake and every flight you make mistake but i remember when i was young 
to make results is very important. Like uh, you arrive first, second in the top, it's very important for your motivation and everything. But after when you win more and more time, flying and make results is not important. More important is fly good and, uh, and uh, also when you arrive in uh, something like uh, number 40, 50 in the rank is no problem. But when you have a nice flying, good decision, I'm happy. So better sometimes than, no, not sometimes, for sure, better than arrive first. Maybe what you're trying to say is uh, maybe we shouldn't beat ourselves up or be too hard on ourselves if we arrive 40th instead of going, oh shit, yeah, the day is finished, the competition's finished for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But uh, before it was like this, uh, for sure, I'm, uh, I want to win, I want to arrive at the top, and the important is the results. But after when the results, uh, you have the results in some. Uh, you don't, it's not really difficult to have results. It's more important to have a nice flying than results. Also, when I, I fly really good and I'm arrive really shit in the ranking, but I go home really happy. And uh, sometimes you fly really good in the ranking, you are really good in the ranking, but you fly bad, I'm not so happy. So, different, different uh, plans after after when you fly many, many years. As you get older, as you start to get a little bit more normal, if I can call it normal, you start to think uh, to yourself, what's more important? Not just results, results, but enjoying, having fun in our flying, being safe in our flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. This is the reason why now I fly easy glider like ENC or also like more easy because I enjoy to fly I have no so much hour. When you fly a lot of hour, you have uh, you enjoy to fly two lines really easy. But now I I'm not really comfort in every condition with two lines, so I prefer to fly easy glider. Yeah, uh, it's probably a very very good idea. Petra Slilova, you know her. Yes. So I Petra says, if you can't use the full performance out of your glider. You shouldn't be flying that glider. You should be flying one step down. She's always flying a B glider, a C glider on the Gin Leopard first to first to goal in the worlds last year. Unbelievable. Yeah. While all the big boys are on the ends, those thinking Leopard. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, I, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I was in uh, in Italy one competition. And they, everybody, they have a two lines ozone air ten. You remember this glider? Oh, they have a all everybody this two line. And in this competition, I fly the new B glider for Gene. This is a sprint, really <laughs> huge different performance. Huge. We have a something like ninety k task, go and back. And when we go to the first time point, I was in uh, the first goggle with a really high performance glider <laughs> in the top 10. And they have a high competition glider. So when we come back, we have a front wind. So it was difficult for me. And I arrived in, the, in gold, something like number of, something like 40 in the ranking, but I'm still happy. But I, I, I win 
a lot of palo with a uh, tour line. And uh, in the evening, uh, when we go to eating, uh, everybody all together, I find in the table one promotion, how to, to stitching course, like, uh, you know, <laughs> like stitching. <laughs> so I bring this one, I give to the people who, who I beat the people, <laughs> I give to the people this, <laughs> go to this course. <laughs> That's a really nice way of giving the middle finger to people, is to bring yeah. them a manual stitching course when you're flying a gin sprinter B glider and you're holding with the R10. Yeah. Nice, nice. I remember it was one guy, I don't know when I, where I saw, they have a, one promotion, the glider, in the low surface, is right, in the low surface is right, how many people I have under the me under the me. <laughs> so who who <laughs> just pass him? <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> Jimmy, it's so nice to see you after all of these years again and to see you smiling. You are still extremely young. You're young at heart. You have such a bon vivant. You are having a, a dolce vida, you know, you're really enjoying yourself. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Steve for this interview and uh, was nice for me to remember for speaking a little bit regarding paragliding. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do you maybe have one last message for the world, something positive you would like to say about this time or about the future or anything like that, some motivation? Wow. <laughs> yeah, more, more than one, but for sure, like Peter say, fly the glider, you can feel safe and don't fly the glider when don't use 100% of the glider. Uh, just enjoy flying. Second thing is uh, like uh, a little bit my motivation now. Everybody have to try more than one time to rescue over the lake for sure. This is my meaning why you buy the glider, you buy the harness, you buy the rescue, you put the rescue under your seat, you have no idea. I was, I was you, no idea when the size is correct for you, the model is correct for you, also who sell to you, they have no idea. And uh, this is the reason why I try now with in the SIV course, four months ago, the, the Thunder Rescue for trying over the lake. And I like it, uh, try, don't speak too much, but try. It's funny you say that in, in all the flying I have, I have about 17,000 flights and I have only thrown the rescue two times, both times in tandem, both times by breaking the tandem. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, ne I never threw the rescue. I threw 10 times the rescue over the lake for try, but I never threw the rescue during my life or so my testing the glider, blah, blah, blah. I was lucky, but I don't know when it's lucky. It depends on your ability, maybe. But now I saw the difference between one and the other rescue. This is, for me, it's like uh, this rescue world is not explored. The people have no idea, and uh, it's quite big difference between one and the other rescue. And I like when the people try and they, they know more. You can tell me something more. We still have time. You can tell yeah. me what don't I know about a rescue? Tell me something interesting. Yeah, about rescue. What it's like, uh, like this. I threw the rescue in the normal condition, and uh, so they 
the people they have to throw the rescue down, not uh, in the upper because there is no in the emergency or like uh, you have a lot of spin or blah blah blah. They throw in the normal condition. They learn how to manage and how to manage his paragliding during the rescue because uh, you have to 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 store the paraglider and, and come. I don't know, bring to you the paraglider. And uh, for sure, after we see uh, some some people, they arrive down the water, they say, oh, I have arrived, I, I, I landing okay, not so fast. Some people say, okay, I landing really fast. After we check the video, and you see a big difference between one and the other. And, uh, and for sure, my meaning is, by the new rescue, like uh, like not not normal canopy, the round couple, but uh, square or triangle, something like this, big size. Why big size? Means uh, uh, the size. Uh, I cannot. I want. Don't want to make any promotion to any brand. Blah blah blah. But every model. Uh, Rescue is good, but big. You have to buy big, no small. Big means, uh, yeah, something like you fly is uh, something like one hundred kilo in the fly in the sky, maybe something like this. And you have to buy me almost one one glider, one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty rescue, almost. But uh, almost, but it depends. Every brand is different size, no. But uh, you have to make. Yeah, that's very, very interesting, uh, Jimmy. So you have said throw the reserve downwards. You have said stall your paraglider. Make sure to control your paraglider. You have said take heed of how fast you are coming down, as you had described with the two videos of the two guys coming down. Different people's perceptions are different of one saying, shit, it was fast. And the other one saying, oh, I didn't feel fast. But it appears that they are both coming down at the same kind of speed. Yeah. Then you've said definitely invest in a newer square or triangular type of rescue and get a bigger size than you think you need to. And that yeah. is something new for me. Yeah. This is really big. Like one guy last October, they threw one rescue, big one, uh, triangle. 160 kilo and the guy is 100 kilo so they have a 60 kilo margin and they arrive down good and uh, and so why don't buy big like big rescue why also this is an example but uh, I try many many different uh, situation and big is better also how to open the time to open is no different between big and small just a, just a little bit just a little bit not one second really no different really big difference is how faster you fall down when you fall down mm -hmm. faster really faster like a spiral dive or blah 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 they every rescue they open really fast and when you fall down really like a sat or uh, like a negative spin, you don't have a speed to fall down or to turn, maybe it doesn't open. Also, when you have a small 
small canopy, <laughs> no difference between. It's really important to have a, when they open, to have a, a, a lot of meter, square meter over your head. So you like big, eh? a big uh, rescue? I like big, it's different. I threw 400 rescue and so I have a, one idea now, the difference between one and the other. It's not because uh, just say, okay, I like big. Uh, it's just because I saw the different and uh, biggest. I, I never see one guy with the the the, the canopy is too big. They have a problem because it's too big. I never see my life. And uh, also, I think uh, for the um, round round rescue, I don't know round rescue. You can tr you can tr you can throw easily one tandem rescue uh, alone because uh, it's not too big. It's not too big round rescue. And uh, I will I will try now. I will try in the future one tandem rescue, one uh, uh, triangle rescue alone. The rescue is 220 kilo, but for me it doesn't matter. I want to see what's going on. And measure how fast you're falling down. It's also to see yeah. if it's stable above you. And yeah. yeah. I just yeah. remember when I tried last year the rescue tandem over the lake, I already threw nine rescue. So I have a just a little bit experience. Also, I know what's going on because I make uh, these course, rescue course, blah, blah, blah. So I go there and my idea is to the rescue. And after watching how fast I go down, because normally they make uh, this, uh, I don't know, mirror uh, situation, one glider there and the other uh, rescued there. You have a mirror situation. Sorry. And just watching in the volumeter how fast I go down. And after I just threw down the paragliding and watching how fast I go down. And after with a quick out, I release the glider and the paragliding and I fall down with the rescue and I just check how fast I go down. This is idea. I have a really calm and uh, I know every situation I know in the rescue situation in stress so I go I threw the rescue and my glider my tandem just following me down okay go or uh, under my my legs and come to the back in my back and so I have a line everywhere I cannot do it what I want I just Finally, I, I bring the, glide, the, the tandem with me and I fall down with the rescue easily, perfect, everything. But I cannot do it correctly thing. And I have experience and I cannot do it because my experience is not so big. You can imagine you, you have to through the rescue you never through my, your life. You're making a very, very good point. I think we think of our rescue as just something there just in case. Bruce Goldsmith, when I did a podcast with him, he says, you should never think about throwing the rescue. You should never think that the rescue is necessary. But now you are talking about some philosophy or some psychology about 
we have this thing, we should know how to use it and we should know how to use it properly and how we should feel. So being experienced, yes. you are making another kind of important point. Yes, yes, for sure. You have to be experienced, uh, I think, and don't think to, for the rescue is dangerous because means you fall down, you have a big cravat or take, take, start to go sp really spiral dive really faster and you're never through the rescue until almost the end, and maybe it's too late. And uh, so when you have experience, you have a big cravat, too big, okay, through the rescue. You are really high, but uh, you try one time, two times to, to take off the cravat, doesn't go, okay, through the rescue. Also when you are really high, because you know what's going on. And just when we thought we would make a short podcast, here we are talking about such interesting, great things. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Really, really nice one. Yeah, thank you for everything, for everybody to listen to me. And uh, thank you for Steve to invite me. And uh, have yeah. a nice day. <laughs> I, I am not finished. I have one more question for you. Yeah. I have put here about Col Rodella. So yeah. you are working, living at Colredella. I, I have been going with Blue Sky, Blue Sky Paragliding from Silian in Ostihol. And they are, uh, I have been many times to uh, Colredella. And in the years, it's getting more and more busy and more and more crazy. So there are many schools that don't even want to go to Colredella anymore because there are three or 400 terrible pilots from countries like Germany and Holland and Poland and Russia and whatever who are coming there. And even a rescue helicopter can't even come in and collect somebody because there's just pilots flying around and they're not even caring. Tell us your comment about this. What's what's yeah. happening there? It's something like this. Everybody come uh, in the Dolomites in September, October when the condition is easy. It's no more like a in uh, spring, is rock and roll like now. It's really rock and roll, and uh, it's sometimes almost too much for me. So better when you don't come in the spring. But in uh, in autumn, this condition is really easy. It's really nice. But it's like this: uh, when you come from South Africa, you have ten people. You're just uh, thinking of this vacation in the Dolomites for one year. Th these 10 people, they have almost, they start to fly in the same time, like 10 years ago. And, but somebody, they fly a lot. Somebody, they fly two times for a year. No, not a lot. They go vacation, everybody have to fly. Also, they, when the condition is not good for everybody, everybody have to fly. And so... Nobody take the rest and go down to the landing and drink a beer and watch what's going on. Everybody has to fly. And this is the dangerous thing. Uh, because you are on vacation, you have to do it. And uh, this is mm -hmm. one the problem. The second problem is, uh, for sure, it's a lot of people. And everybody wants to land in the top of Gletscher in Marmolada. This is the... The meaning everybody can do it, and uh, <laughs> but not everybody. Like I tell you, ten people from South Africa, four people can do it, but not everybody. Are people still landing on the Marmalada today? Are they allowed to do it? And uh, can nearly everybody restart again afterwards? Yes, uh, 
to to learning is easy to learning because the people learning also with the backwind and negative everybody is <laughs> smash and everybody make top learning and after is a quite big place for launch and uh, relaunch almost everybody do it relaunch but some people doesn't do it and up there that you can you have a like uh one uh chalet a chalet like uh, for a high mountain and you can sleep there but uh <laughs> i i don't promote this one because because it's uh like you know everybody we call we have a two tour tour for flying and when will you launch in Corodella and after go close to the mountain high mountain 3000 meter and you go down everybody do it and we call now this uh, for now for long long time we call chicken tour like uh, <laughs> the chicken, chicken tour. tour yeah easy now yeah easy and but re really nice and when the condition is no good it's really difficult also and when you go to marmolada and come back we call big chicken tour <laughs> but uh, for sure is uh sometimes it's no easy to to go there really no easy and you can fly also down to the valley you have a big valley many mountains but everybody flying the same place because want to make top landing in Marmolada. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, sometimes it becomes too much. Three, four hundred people taking off at the same time at Colradella. Everybody trying to turn left, turn right, whichever is their way. It's yeah. really a circus. So yeah. I prefer to take off there, to fly away on my two-liner and to make a cross-country by myself or just picking off two, three other guys, and then that's it. Yeah. Because, well, but anybody who doesn't know the Dolomites, I really recommend that October, early November, even through September, fabulous yeah. place to fly. Really, really nice. It's still yeah. always very cheap to go there. I think you've got a three-day pass that costs very little money. Can you tell me how much it is? Oh, I think uh, pay three days pass, something like uh, 30 euro. Exactly. Very cheap. For three days of flying, it's 30 euros. So it's really, really nice, uh, really easy way to go around. Yeah, but for sure, when you fly over this mountain, this big mountain and the Dolomites, it's also really uh, emotional also for me. When I am used to fly there, but uh, wow. You know? And when you go to Marmolada, also for me, is wow, so nice. And uh, for sure. I can imagine the people who come from the other country and fly first time in the Dolomites. It's incredible nice. Definitely worth the tip. And let's finish it there. I say say ciao to everybody in Italy. <laughs> say buongiorno, John Bolton, anything you want to say. Ciao, viva la pizza. <laughs> ciao ragazzo, grazie, ciao, grazie. Thank you, thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>